You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. Uh, as we've been doing over the last few weeks, talking a little NBA at the top of the show, being a, a professional group that we are, pros like us. Uh, it's pro basketball, so here we go. NBA, the Heat got it done. Uh, Boston couldn't get over the hump. They won those three games uh, in a row after being down 3-0, and you thought, I mean, they were left for dead, but okay, here we go. This is the Boston team that we've seen. Uh, throughout the course of the regular season, but in the playoffs, it's just been kind of clunky, and you really didn't know what the hell was going on, but figured, okay, these three games, all right, here we go. We kind of lucked out, got a buzzer beater, tip it at the end on the road, but hey, that we'll take it. It's on the road. Let's do it. And like first play of the game, Tatum turns his ankle. He's never the same the rest of the game, and I think it just – it was – you could see that the team really – it didn't seem like they were very mentally tough leading up to that point, and I think that was like a, like a like the death knell, and it was the first possession of the game. And Miami just kind of did their thing. They, they played heat basketball. I don't think they really varied much from what they do, and the Celtics just couldn't do it. And they just kept jacking up threes. My God, they did them every favor in the world. I think they missed their first 12. They were 0 for 10 in the first quarter and just didn't really didn't change things up. And, you know, is it Missoula? Well, he's the same coach that got him to win the previous three games. Is it, you know, is it the team? Is it the way they're constructed? All these questions for that front office and uh, just – I don't know. I mean, it was as a, if you're a Celtics fan, you had to be so jacked that, hey, we got it tied up. We got a real shot here to go to the finals now. Let's get this done and just to watch him. And it was just it was like over before it started. I mean, it, it was that was an uh, that may have been the ugliest game, it may not have been the, the biggest margin or whatever. They did cut it a few times, but not really threatened close. I couldn't imagine sitting in those stands and just feeling like this is this is it. This is games. This is what we're putting up for game seven. So that part of it was disappointing. If you're just a fan of wanting to see a close game in a game seven. Agreed with you. I mean, I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly just because they won the next three games to make it a series. They went on the road. It seems like all the momentum is with the Celtics. They're flying home. They're going to be playing in the in their home stands, they're going to have a loud crowd. Everybody's going to be there supporting them. And even if, you know, Tatum did get injured, where were the rest of the guys? I mean, it seemed like they were just left for dead. I mean, you're playing at home. This is game seven. This isn't like, you know, this is like 50-50 here. You've got, again, you have all the momentum. You've won the last three games against the Miami Heat. You know that they're like, you know, they're, you know, their spirits are shaking a little bit. They're questioning themselves because they were up 3-0. Three, three, All of a sudden, it's 3-3 three, three now in the series. And it just, it never looked like a game. And I was surprised just like everyone else because I think everybody was picking the Celtics there in game seven because of the home field, the home court advantage. 
Well, you, you hear it a lot. I mean, if you watch any games, you watch any analysis or whatever, you hear the cliche, well, it's a make, a make or miss league. And the Celtics personify that to the nth degree. It's like if they're making their threes, they look like one of the best teams you've ever seen, right? And it, it's not like they have to be hitting like a huge percentage, even if they're hitting like 40 or 50%. It just seems to have a huge impact on the way they play defense just their confidence, they start missing those threes. And again, they're humans. I get that. But, you know, you're a professional as well. You got to find different ways. Some days you're not going to have your fastball. You may have to, you know, screw some things around a little bit just to try to make, you know, let's take it to the basket a little bit more, you know, a little bit more drive and kick. But a lot of standstill threes, they're not making them. And it just kind of their whole body language just looks awful. So, okay, here we go. The finals. Uh, we're recording here on Thursday, the 1st, June 1st. Here we go. Big day in the NFL as well, of course. You know, you got your post-June 1 cuts that uh, teams like to take advantage of, salary cap-wise and with veterans. But um, game one is tonight. The Nuggets, no surprise, big favorites at home, eight and a half points. And no eight seed has ever won the championship. Uh, they expanded the playoffs to 16 teams. I think it was back in, like, this is like bird magic era, like 84 ish. I think it was around that time. But since then, now, again, I don't know that they've had eight seeds before, whatever. I, you know, the league was much smaller. If you go back much further, but in our lifetimes here, 40 years, no eight seed is one. Okay. So it's, it's highly improbable that the heat can get this done, but let's look at, maybe a little bit deeper. I guess the, the big question, and it seems any time you play against Denver, okay, what are we going to do with Jokic? Okay, what? how are we going to play him? Now, Spolstra really loved throwing that 2-3 zone at the Celtics a lot. And it seemed to be like, I mean, Celtics played right into it. I mean, they just kept launching threes, kept missing them. And he, he again, genius move. He knew, you know, kind of knew who he was playing now against Jokic. It's going to be something different because, you know, he's like, I mean, a great quarterback in the NFL. You have to change things up. You can't give them the same looks. Maybe they try to blitz him a few times, you know, with late double teams or they just double team immediately get the ball out of his hands and kind of, rely on the other guys to miss or not make the, the right play. Uh, but you saw in the Lakers series, they got guys that are more than up for the task. I mean, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. is playing well. KCP has just had an outstanding playoff, just really shooting the lights out. So this is going to be the big question. I mean, or do you just let Bam play him one-on-one -on -one most of the time and try to minimize everybody else? Hell, if I had the answers, I, you know, I would, be making huge bets on this, but I, 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 I'm having a hard time. I mean, I, I love Pat Riley from his days to the Lakers, even when he was playing and then coaching and so forth, what he did in New York in the, you know, on the, on the sideline and in the front office, what he's done, you know, with Miami in the front office, hell half his team is undrafted. But uh, as far as getting back to the game, that's the big question. How are they going to play Jokic? Because He's gonna. He can make the threes. He can. I don't. I don't know how he does it. It looks like slow motion, but somehow he gets to the basket. Some, you know, when he wants to. Uh, he just seems to be like an. He can do whatever. Whatever the game calls for, he gets it done. 
So is it minimize his points or let him get his and try to shut down everybody else? That's that's a huge question. And uh, the other piece is, is the rotations. I mean, Denver basically plays like seven, maybe eight guys. And typically you see that in the playoffs. You look at Miami, if Hero's coming back, they're using like 10, 11 guys. And they, they just kind of can come at you in waves. Now, not all of them are huge scorers, but they all play their roles. They play it well. And if Hero is healthy, that just extends them a little bit more, have more options, different ways that they can play. So um, I, it's hard to go against the heat. It really is just because of the way they play. But with Jokic, I just can't I, I just can't see a way that they can consistently kind of bottle him up or make it difficult for him to really have a huge impact on the game. It's like a triple-double waiting to happen every game, but it's the way he does it, getting the other guys involved, getting them confidence, and then the whole team plays better. So um, I would maybe take the points in game one just because uh, that's a pretty big number and, you know, with rotating 10 guys, I think they're going to be able to hang. But as far as the series is concerned, I have a real difficult time seeing the Heat win in four games against this team the way that they're playing. So barring any injuries, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to go with the Nuggets overall. But in this particular game, I'll take the points in the Heat. The Nuggets are going to get their first championship ever. I think they're going to sweep the Heat. Uh, Miami has been a great story. And it's been a lot more than just Jimmy Butler. But Jimmy Butler needs to play lights out in the finals. He needs to carry this team. The way Jokic is going to be carrying his team. Can he do it? I don't think so. Because the guy that's going to be guarding him for the most of the night, Aaron Gordon, might be like the best defender that he's had, to be honest with you. So Butler is a great player. But Gordon is no slouch as a defender. So... You've got Jokic, you've got Jamal Murray. I mean, he's a star in his own right. And you mentioned, like, will Miami play zone defense against Denver? I don't think that's really smart just because of Jokic's, like, passing ability. And I think this could turn into, like, layup city, Lou, just because he's going to find the open man and they're going to get a lot of easy baskets. I mean, usually, and Denver is not going to fall for, we're going to shoot the three constantly. So Denver is a lot more than just Jokic. Dude. I mean, they've got, again, Murray is a very good player. Gordon is a very good defender. Uh, again, I can't see, even though Spolstra has been there, you know, the Pat Riley factor, I mean, plays into it. But I just, you know, Denver is defending. If the shooters are making their shots... Jokic is going to be unstoppable. I think they need to just let Jokic get his points and try to stop the rest of the guys from getting it. Because, you know, the rest of the players have been on fire as well. So if they can stop that going, like the, the other guys on, on the Nuggets, I think they would be, you know, better off at that. And I don't see the Miami Heat using the zone defense like they used it against Boston. Just because they have to mix it up. I mean, they know they have to. If they do, they're going to get killed. Again, Jokic is just going to use his his ability, his passing ability, and get a lot of easy shots for his other players. 
Yeah, I don't know that that you know again that the zone was something that I think worked well against Boston because just the style of play. Uh, yeah, he he was going to use them if, if try that. Like I said, they'll throw they'll throw it at him. I think just to to see to test them to hey you got to show us that you're going to continue to make these threes a little bit. It's not something that they can play as much as they did in the Boston series, but I think you will see it to some degree, especially you know if if Jokic comes off the court a little bit. And like I said, they their rotation is so much deeper than than Denver's. Now Denver, I think just the, the talent factor is, is a little bit greater, but just the depth because. Again, let's see. I mean, you've got you know these undrafted guys, Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, playing huge roles. Struess, Duncan Robinson. I mean, since the hero injury is kind of, I don't know, he stayed ready. I mean, he got paid last year, and then all of a sudden, I mean, like during the course of the season, he just kind of fell down the fell down the bench, and here he is playing, you know, as good as, as he did in previous years through the playoffs. So these guys are going to have to step up. Highsmith, another undrafted guy. I mean, all these guys play, and and it's not like they necessarily have to have the ball in their hands to be effective. But when they when they get that opportunity, they seem to be drilling those shots, those open shots. And you know, Caleb Martin, I, I hell, I mean, he could have seriously maybe not been the MVP, but I'm I'm sure he was certainly in the conversation for uh, Eastern Conference Final. The, the MVP with, with Jimmy Butler because those last few games, he hell, every big shot he took, it seemed like he made it. And if he didn't, it wasn't like for lack of confidence or, you know, he like passed up shots. I mean, he looks like a very confident player. So um, that's the only thing that keeps me in. I don't think they're going to sweep him. I think Miami will get a game or two. But um, yeah, it's, it, it should be fascinating. Just again, the biggest thing: how are they going to play Jokic? Kind of that chess match when when he goes out of the game. Uh, then do the other are the other guys able to step up? You've seen a little bit of Jeff Green, you know, Uncle Jeff. I mean, he's been around forever. He's uh, well into his thirties. Uh, Bruce Brown was a guy that they they acquired during the course of the year at the trade deadline. He he stepped up big, and then a young guy from Kansas. Christian Brown, but again, they didn't, those, I mean, Brown really, uh, or Christian Brown didn't really play much in the last couple of games in the Lakers series. I don't even know that he really had many minutes the entire series. I mean, I watched every game. I just, it just doesn't register to me. I don't remember seeing him really do much, uh, but the other Brown and Jeff Green, you know, they did their thing. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's uh, just a very interesting matchup. And the coaches are going to have, I mean, especially Spolstra is going to have to really show his wear here and how he positions his team, especially defensively and and uh, and so forth. So uh, I'm just really excited to see it. We'll see. Again, it's a sweep. Low. That that's my opinion. <laughs> I just thought that if the Celtics, right. I think they'll get. I think they'll get a the, couple games. If the Celtics really would have won against the Miami Heat, it would have been like a game. Uh, I think it would have been. It would have gone to game seven against the Nuggets. Here, I just think Miami has squeezed out every little thing they could have done. And these guys, like you mentioned, that came out of nowhere, they're just shooting lights out and they're scoring. But I just don't... Miami doesn't have enough on the defensive end to stop all these players. Like Michael Porter has been playing really well. I've already mentioned Jamal Murray. You've got Jokic. 
too many weapons. This isn't only just one player. The other factor is the experience factor, too, is that some of these guys, these Miami players have, have been in the wars. They've been in the you know conference finals. I mean, this is kind of Denver's really first sustained run. And you don't know how they'll react. I mean, uh, you know, this is the champion. This is it. So, yeah, maybe, you know, like I said, a game or two, it'll it'll kind of, you know, they'll try to get settled in. But, uh, yeah, I just I just think just the way Miami plays, they're going to get a game or two. All right. Fair enough. All right. Moving on to the NFL. Let's do it. Okay. So June 1st, big day for, for cuts. Now again, there's probably going to be like a handful of guys. And a lot of these were, you know, designated June one, you know, weeks ago, but the most interesting one and the one that came, came across and it was like no secret that Deandre Hopkins was a guy that was certainly on the trading block, you know, leading up to the, uh, the draft a uh, lot of noise coming from him, coming from people around him that, oh, geez, you know, I'd love to play here. I'd love to play there. And then, well, I never said I wanted to leave. And just, a, just a lot of BS happened. And but the fact that Arizona is is already I mean, they showed you in the draft. They're going like basically full tank here. Um, they're playing for 20 for 24. I, I don't I there's no question about that. But here we go. I think they said they were going to cut him. I, I think this was like last Friday. But the actual transaction didn't happen until, I, I believe, on Tuesday of this week. So here's the thing. With June 1, if it's post-June 1, you can spread any cap charges over the two seasons, 23 and 24. If you do it before, then you take the full charge this year and i think if you're tanking you probably want to take the full charge this year so you got more money to spend for next season and not spread it out and not say well geez you know we got 11 million to play with whatever if it's 22 or whatever that his cap number is take half that and say, oh we can sign somebody for this year that's not happening so a couple things going on here it, what's d hop's value on the market Arizona certainly is tanking. And it, and I guess the, the the longer part of that story is, what does this mean for Kyler Murray? If you're tanking, you've got, you know, I, the elephant in the room is Caleb Williams at, at USC. I mean, he seems to be like the player that you'd be tanking for. And there's other quarterbacks in this, in this uh, class coming up that are really good as well. But he seems to be the one that's kind of a superstar. So a lot of different things going on here. And then you factor in the OBJ deal. You know, I think prior to him getting that 15 million guaranteed to Baltimore, there was a certain market for D hop and at a certain number. Well, now he sees, Oh, well, geez, that, that guy's barely played in the last two years. He's getting 15 million guaranteed. I got to get at least that much. So now you got teams like the chiefs, like the bills, uh, maybe the Browns. Yeah, there's any number of teams that would want him, but the number is going to be very significant, and it's going to play out over the next few weeks. Looks like uh, could happen today. Could happen while we're on the air. But I, it just seems uh, like a difficult place because teams have kind of you know, used their cap money. The teams that have cap money, he probably doesn't want to play for. So. 
there's going to be some moving around of cash and uh, a lot of accounting gyrations to make it work for some of these teams that are close to the cap or just under. So yeah, it should, should be interesting for D hop. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we, do you have a favorite place for him to land or how, how, how you think this might play out? I think the best spot for him would be to go to the Kansas city chiefs, but they don't have the cap room. They don't have the money to sign him. Well, they'll have they. Yeah, I don't believe that. That can be arranged. That's not. I don't think that's the. But issue. I do I really think don't. that's the best spot. I mean, they, okay, you've got Patrick Mahomes. You've got yeah, Andy Reid. Yeah. The Chiefs need a number one wide receiver. All right, they they do. And again, Hopkins is not the same player that he once was, but he still has great ball skills. He still makes terrific catches in those contested situations. He's still a savvy route runner. He is quarterback's best friend on third down and he can be a big weapon in the red zone as well because of his fantastic ball skills and those are the things that you combine and you say i think the chiefs would be a better spot for him than say the bills but then i'm looking at another team i'm like connecting the dots here deshaun watson he played with hopkins in houston why not reunite with the browns i mean the cleveland browns have amari cooper but he's a much better number two receiver. So him and Hopkins would complement each other. They're both terrific route runners. And it just makes sense to me to try to get it in there and, and get an extra weapon for Deshaun Watson, who's still trying to get back in the swing of things. So I would say the Chiefs, the Browns, those are the two teams that make a lot of sense. The Chiefs are obviously Super Bowl contenders. The Browns are a borderline playoff team. I would think that Hopkins would want to reunite with his former quarterback. Maybe the Jets, but I think the Jets has, have already like made their moves at wide receiver. I just can't imagine them bringing even more guys in there. I think they've already kind of tapped out there. So I can't see like the Patriots getting into this because of the whole Bill O'Brien thing. I mean, they traded him for a bag of chips to the Arizona Cardinals. So that's not happening. I don't think Buffalo is interested. They have Diggs. They have Gabe Davis. I just don't think that would be a good situation. I think the Chiefs are like the number one spot there, then the Browns. That's that's where he should try to land uh, to try to prove to people that he still got it because, you know, there have been a lot of things, a lot of rumors out there that Hopkins is not a good teammate, that, you know, he doesn't practice. He sits out practice. He doesn't play in games all the time. So this is his chance to kind of prove himself. Maybe he gets a one-year deal, has a terrific season, and then scores a big contract. Not the best thing for him, but I think that would be a wise choice to kind of sign a one-year contract to show people that, hey, even without Kyler Murray being my quarterback last year, and Murray missed a lot of games, by the way, and Hopkins still put up pretty good numbers. Not by his, by his previous standards, but he has. Yeah, I just think he's still got it. This is his chance to kind of prove it with a contender. Yeah, I don't know that he's probably going to... I don't know that he gets any more than a one-year deal, or if it's more than one, you know, there's going to be like voidable years or something tacked on to the end to make it look, you know, like a much longer deal and money that he's never going to see. But the point is, it's the guaranteed money, and I... and. Seriously, I think 
that when the OBJ th- OBJ thing happened with the Ravens, and again, you almost have to look at that as almost like an anomaly, an outlier. To me, that was like uh, you know reaching the olive branch out to Lamar Jackson, saying, "Okay, this is who we wanted to get." So supposedly one of the things that he had mentioned was he want he wanted both the guys he wanted obj and d hop so i wouldn't i wouldn't take baltimore out of the equation either uh but you know are they gonna want two two guys that are 30 plus have some injury baggage and all of a sudden you're paying now to your wide receivers which you've never done that i can recall pay out like 30 to 32 million guaranteed for this next year that that's i think where the issue is and i think that's why this thing could extend out to kind of see like who's the first team that's going to blink and say okay we'll give you what you want or get close you mentioned the chiefs and again yeah i mean they don't have much cap spaces things are structured right now but they're sitting there almost waiting for the market I don't know if there's any other defensive tackles. I think maybe Quinn Williams is up for a deal right now, but you know, Chris Jones extension is coming. And as soon as they do that with a huge signing bonus, so forth, he's going to have a small cap number that'll create the cap space. And again, it just really depends on accounting wise, how long or how far you want to kind of push things out. So I don't, if they really want them, they can get them. I don't think that, that that's an issue, but They've shown to this point, or at least Brett Veach and the front office has shown, they're not, they're not going to pay an older wide receiver top dollar. I mean, they they traded away Tyree Kill for God's sakes, and he really wasn't. I mean, he was not. I don't know, twenty seven years old, twenty eight years old. Here you got a guy who's going to be thirty one, I believe, when the season starts. Some injury issues. I mean, the Juju deal last year was, I mean, that would probably be like the blueprint for them is a, a very small uh, guarantee with some incentives in the back end. Do they need yes. him? Are you I mean, kidding they'd me? Ha- they'd love that. Ha- look at their I roster of wide receiver. Love, they- Are you kidding me? I mean, look, you have Travis Kelsey, who's the best tight end in the game. Okay, wait a second. Let's back up. Who was their number? Who was their number one receiver last year? Does anybody know who the number one Juju. receiver is? It's Travis Kelsey. It's Travis well, Kelsey. Well, as far as Travis wide receiver, Kelsey, he's as the far number as wide one receiver. I'm not. I, and that's and that's my point. The way they play, they won the Super Bowl last year without a really named number one wide receiver. Now, again, I think they'd love to have him, but they're not going to overextend themselves to pay overpay for somebody I'm not that they're going to. Yeah, I mean it's great. It's great to have, but but I'm saying in their minds, they probably have like a budgeted number in, in mind. Say, okay, if he signs for this, we'll do we'll do we'll take that, and hey, absolutely, we can use him. He's going to help us, no question. But I don't think they necessarily. It, it's not like a oh my god, we have to do. Yeah, this. they have to do I, it. I, I just let's not be delusional. Here. I don't see them in this. That is mode. coming from a delusional Chiefs fan. Honestly, who overrates his his wide receivers on the roster right now? All right, let's go through the list, Lou. Let's go through the list. We don't. We're have taking to go Travis through, Kelsey. I'll We're taking right Travis now, Kelsey out of the know, equation. We know who they. T- <laughs> we know who the guys are. They're all pretty young. None of them are dominant receivers, but they won the they Super Bowl. They didn't win. 
They okay, didn't they, win. They, they, the ultimate, the ultimate prize without a specific Smith Schuster was pretty good in the Super Bowl. He delivered, yeah, pretty good. He delivered yes, he was. some clutch catches. He's no longer there. He, all right, so they've got. Well, so did so did M, so did MVS in the championship wait, got, game. You know, and he's just he's just MVS. So we've got yeah. But okay, we've got. I think it's we've got the way uh, Lou calls him MVS. Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, favorite wide receiver for Lou, by yeah. the way. I didn't like him coming out of the draft, yes. but he still has hopes. I think he's garbage. But Rasheed Rice, okay, they drafted him. Maybe there's some Justin Watson, Richie James. Are you kidding me? I mean, delusional Chiefs fans will tell you that they don't need a wide receiver, but they don't have a good enough number three wide receiver on the roster. Out of those guys. So basically, you have Travis Kelsey as your number one guy, number two guy, and your number three guy. And then you have a bunch of has-bands who are like number four, number five, number six wide receivers. You got to have somebody on the outside who's going to scare you. Hopkins can still do that. And you can sign him on a one-year deal. I think they do need him. I think Veach realizes it. I think Andy Reid realizes it. I don't know. With these guys, Mahomes is not going to make them... He's not going to take him to another Super Bowl with these guys. I will, like, here I'm making a statement. Mahomes will not take him to a Super Bowl if they don't add a better wide receiver. And Hopkins is a good okay. one. Okay, well, uh, and that's fine. And I, I can see that. But, I, again, I'm just looking at, okay, what they've been able to do in their offense without, with, without Tyreek Hill, without a number one receiver. Let's not even say Tyreek. Anybody. Now, if D-Hop came in and put up the same numbers as Juju did last year and you've paid him, whatever, $18 million, let's say, is, is the number that he says, okay, this, this is good, I'll, I'll play for that. Is, I mean, it, is, that, is that really a big deal? I don't know that he's going to get enough targets to really warrant that kind, that kind of I think with salary. the real quarterback... With the better quarterback, and I, I want to remind you, Murray got injured last year, so you didn't have Kyler Murray through the oh, entire yeah. season. With the real quarterback, with the real quarterback, the value with Hopkins is going to be on third down to create more targets and more openings for Travis Kelsey to run wild over the middle, and then in the red zone. I think Hopkins, with his ball skills, with his strong hands, I mean, he can score like ten touchdowns easily. In this Chiefs offense, honestly, because there's going to be a lot of targets. A lot of people are going to be doing one-on-one on him. They're going to be doubling Kelsey because they know he is Mahomes' favorite target. I do think there's value with Hopkins, and I think he would put up better numbers than Smith Schuster did last year. That's my opinion. I realize if he play if he plays a if he plays a full season healthy, the whole thing is absolutely. I mean, he could put up huge numbers. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. The way the ball gets spread around in that offense, I I don't know that he's going to get as many targets. I hear what you're saying though. They definitely need somebody in the middle of the field to open things up, and that's kind of what Juju did. From a financial standpoint, you're looking at it. Well, hell, I mean, we, I don't know that you have many other options right now. I would definitely like this guy on my team. And if it was me, I mean, hell, it's not my money. So yeah, sure, pay him whatever he wants. 
But in just looking at the way they play and how they're able to move the ball, I don't know that they're going to go out of their way. I don't think they're going to they're going to go over whatever number they have in mind to, to to really make it happen. Like, oh my God, if we don't do this, we got no. By the shot. way, Hopkins is not that old. OBJ is thirty years old, just like Hopkins. Devontae Adams is the same right. age as DeAndre Hopkins as well. Right. The only question mark that we have here with Hopkins is that the last two years he's had injury issues. A little no injury problem. problem. But yeah. the fact is, I mean, all this, like Hopkins is old. He's not that old. I mean, let's just get that out of the way. Well, I, it's it's not so much as being old. It's just the kind of a team philosophy. If you go up and down their their roster, I think Travis Kelsey might be the oldest player on the team at 33. Most of the guys that they have, I mean, it's it's a very young team. And they and I think they purposefully are doing that. And again, most teams have to do this once you pay your quarterback a ton of money. So, yeah, they want to keep a lot of some stars around Mahomes, but they also have to be you know, pretty careful about who they're paying and then just the age of the guys. And, you know, I guess the old Belichick philosophy is you'd rather get rid of you one year, you know, one year too soon rather than one year too late. So again, nothing against D Hop. I mean, I'd love to have him on the team, but I just, I, I guess, looking at some, some of uh, the other side of, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily an argument, but just the, the, the other side of the situation to say, okay, we have to look at this. We have to be somewhat fiscally responsible. I'm sure the owner, you know, we had gives them, okay, you can spend this much in in cash this year, and they want to stay within that number. But yeah, I mean, as far as a player, hell, I take him on my team every day of the week. Yeah, I. But I don't necessarily. Oh my God, if we don't get him, we're screwed. A delusional because I don't a delusional think that's ever Chiefs fan. As as long as long as as long as Andy Reid is the coach and fifteen is taking the snaps, they are going to be in games. They're going to be able to win games. I, I'm firmly they they they've convinced me of this over the last six years. All right, Chargers fans. <laughs> Broncos fans, Raiders fans, please lobby for Hopkins to sign there so he can torture the Chiefs a couple of times next year. Just, you know, show them that he's still worthy and, you know, he can still put up some huge numbers. So I think that the Chargers, the Raiders, the Broncos should somehow jump on this bandwagon and sign Hopkins just so Lou. The Raiders? The Raiders, maybe. I don't right? think so. Not but with Josh McDaniels there. No. Devontae yeah, Adams you know, making a little noise there. But, uh, yeah, I don't – you know, again, I mean, Denver's – they've got a very fairly young receiving core. You've heard all sorts of rumors that this guy's on the move, that guy's on the move. But nobody's – I mean, I don't think any of those kids are going anywhere. They they want to see them develop. Uh, the Chargers, you know, first round took, took a wide receiver. They've got some – you know, they've got some youth that they've been filtering through, but they still have Keenan Allen, the vet. So I don't know that that's going to happen there. Um, yeah, I think the Raiders would probably be the best shot, but I mean, they got other problems to deal with. I don't think DeAndre Hopkins is the, is the guy for them at this point, but yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the Ravens, you know, the, and another move to appease their Lamar Jackson. I don't think so. Just because you mentioned that the cap number would be too high to invest in two wide receivers. Yeah. Two guys, two guys that age. I mean, it's just not, again, not that they're old, but football wise, I think 
that more and more the teams are very leery about paying guys over 30 big money. It's just, yeah, maybe if you, you have them that first contract and if they're really good, you give them that second one. But after that, it's like, hell, we can, you know, there's other, there's other guys with younger options that, that can do just as well for like maybe a third of the money. So we'll keep watching. We'll keep watching. But I, yeah, I just, if, if it's the chiefs, I think it, it will, it, he'll have to really, he'll really have to take, less than he's expecting. I, 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 I truly believe that. All right. So speaking of the Raiders, this whole Jimmy G thing with the uh, injury waiver and whatever. And, and again, I'm sure people have read about this and, you know, by this time, and there's a lot of stories out there in terms or not so much, so much stories, but just facts about waiver addendums and so forth. And many contracts have them, right? I mean, especially, you know, the guy is, is injured, the, the, there's going to be that language written in the contracts. But if you look at it, I mean, he was a free agent and that frenzy, those first two days where you're allowed to negotiate with player. I mean, it's like musical chairs. Teams are trying to make deals as quickly as possible. You can't really have the guys in those first two days to, to do a physical. So it's almost like you're taking them at their word and uh, yeah, it didn't work out so well. Now you, you're a 49ers fan. I'm sure you, you recall this. Didn't Jimmy put off a surgery the year before? He did. And that kind of hurt him in, in terms of his free agency or if the, the Niners wanted to trade him. I mean, other teams are like, wait a second. He's not going to be thrown until, until you know summertime and everything else. And so I don't know if this is just kind of a thing with Jimmy. I don't know if it's his agent or whatever, but it's just – it's just, I don't know, it's, a, it's such a Raiders thing to have happen. Yeah, to me, it's just a little surprising. The, the fact that they went after him, the former Patriot, and Josh McDaniel obviously knows him really well. He brought him in here as a starting quarterback. I get the feeling that we'll see Brian Hoyer quite a bit, and he's the backup quarterback right now. Maybe Aiden O'Connell gets in there. You know, they drafted him in the fourth round from Purdue. So that's a possibility, but they should think of some backup plans because I wouldn't feel too confident going with Brian Hoyer as my starting quarterback or starting a rookie, Aiden O'Connell, because, I mean, it's a complicated offensive system that the, the Raiders run out there. So that that would be my worry out there. Try to look for another veteran if this thing just blows up in your face, but I don't know who else they're going to go after. Maybe Teddy Bridgewater. I guess that's an insurance Still He's out still there. Out he there. hasn't been yeah. signed. And I mean, he does fit into this offense. It's kind of with those short intermediate passes. He can move out, play action. So I guess that is a possibility. He's still on the market. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's a risk. I, I don't know how McDaniels feels going in with jo Jimmy G here into the season. I, especially with what you know many teams obviously put that put the clause you know against the like for the injuries and they have it out there and i'm sure this isn't the only time i mean teams do this and practice this every year when they sign guys who are coming off like serious injuries but i wouldn't feel too confident having jimmy g as my starting quarterback thinking that he's going to play all 17 games next season. I don't think that's happening. Well, it's been a while. 
right? I mean, I don't I don't know that it's ever happened that he's played an entire season. Or if he did, I think maybe it was the year that they went to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Um, but you know, every year it seems it seems to be something. So, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. It just doesn't. It, it just doesn't make him look very good either. Like, I mean, they had to know that there was, might've been some issue there. So they signed the contract. You're supposed to have this, the press conference and all of a sudden is like, nothing to see here. We'll be back in a couple of days type thing because he failed the, uh, failed the physical once he got there. And it's like, okay, we got to like redo this deal. And it was kind of hush hush. And then all of a sudden, you know, over the, couple months later this news comes out and it just it just all seems very very shady and just kind of like i, I don't know i mean it's like you, you think you want to be forthright because you know they can get out of the contract but maybe just to get pen to paper that quickly during the free agency piece and uh, is in terms of his um, representation his agents if they're thinking okay let's we just let's get a deal done and then we'll deal with with this other stuff after the fact i, I mean it, it just seems very very shady um i'm almost thinking that he would you know josh mcdaniel's thinking well, well hell if we knew this you know maybe jared stidham would we would have kept him around that's what case. i'm saying so, you got rid yeah, of that's such a such a rare yeah story. that's what i'm saying you got rid of Derek carr who's a better quarterback than jimmy g when both guys are healthy then you got rid of jared stidham now you've got Brian Hoyer, Aiden O'Connell. It just doesn't look really good. You know, there have been rumors maybe Tom Brady comes back because he's been, you know, thrown into the minority role, you know, being the owner of the Raiders in the minority role out there. So some people are, like, speculating maybe, you know, Josh McDaniels will be able to talk Tom Brady into coming back and rescuing this team. I don't think that's happening. Well, I think. It also, I think they'd also have to talk. I think twenty-four other owners saying, "Yeah, that's okay." Because I think if you once you own a piece of the team, it's uh, it, there. There's some hoops you got to jump through to be able to play. I just don't well. think that's happening. But yeah, I hear I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, happening. it's a sec, it's a sexy thing to put sexy thing to put out there. Oh my God, yeah, Brady Brady's already there. He that's his guy. Sure, he, he he'll he'll run his own offense again, like he like he always has. Why? So, yeah, I don't I. Why do all these Belichick assistants, why do they always try to bring in Patriot players? I mean, they try to, like, recreate this Patriot way wherever it is. The Lions, the Broncos, the Raiders. Why do they always do this? Why do they always bring in players that kind of know the system? I know they're familiar with it, but it's it's just you can't recreate it, okay? And I think you try to distance yourself as much as possible from that because, like, you want to bring in your younger guys, fresher guys, you know, make them learn the system. Why do they always think that if I bring in these retreads that they would make my system better? That has failed over and over again. I don't think it's about... I don't think it's about the system. I think they're just trying to recreate the the culture of kind of, it, I guess, just the way Belichick does things, the way the way that they just run the operation versus what you know what happens on the field is you know X's and O's. Okay, that's that's one thing, but in terms of just how they approach the game, how they approach their lives, how they approach 
the, the season, the non-playing season, everything has kind of its look and feel to it. And you have to have guys that, that set that. Now, it doesn't always work. And, and in this case, it never had. I mean, even when, when uh, Pioli took over the front office in Kansas City, he was, you know, like, he brought coaches. You know, some players did all right. I mean, Vrabel, I think he, you know, he helped a lot. And, and some other players. And Matt Castle played some and, you know, played pretty well one season. But, you know, overall, it's just you can't do it. It's just, it's just impossible. You know, I mean, there's like one place that's Bill Belichick and New England and just everybody like understands that's the way it is there. And they've been able to sustain it for a long time. And now you're kind of seeing the the end of it sort of crumbling away. But, yeah, I don't I don't know what it is. They just feel that's that's their comfort zone. This can work here, but it never, ever has. So. Yeah, I'm with you there. So we'll see. I mean, it, it's just really, really strange. Um, and then you've got those two factors hitting themselves in the head. The the expatriate trying to make it New England and then just the Raiders organization being the Raiders. And it's just it's like those two cultures are butting heads. And now Devontae Adams is saying, what the hell did I get myself into? He should have stayed. He should have stayed with the Packers. Then maybe it would have worked out for both guys. And now they're, you know, both gone. And, you know, we'll see what, what happens with Rodgers with the Jets. And we'll see if Adams has a future with the Raiders. Because, I mean, you come for your college quarterback. You want to play with Derek Carr, the way Devontae Adams made it sound. And then your quarterback is gone after a year. So now you just want to get out. Like, you want to press that. That red button is like, take me, trade me for anything, for for a bag of peanuts. I'm sure Devontae Adams wants to leave the Raiders as quickly as possible. Yeah, well, I mean, he's kind of retract some of the things that he said and just kind of re-explain things. And, and, you know, I can hear what he's saying. You know, he made some comments and whether he... What he meant by it was one thing, but it always comes across in a way that, oh, my gosh, and people take and run with it, make it 10 times worse than it is. So then he's got to come out and kind of re-explain things. And it just, again, it just doesn't look good for him. It doesn't look good for the organization. And, uh, yeah, it just, but, yeah, it gives gives us a little bit more to talk about. Speaking of that Packers situation, there was an article that came out uh, earlier this week, Matt Schneidman kind of inside the whole Green Bay and A-Rod thing. Uh, there's some, a lot of quotes. And if you want to read it, like I said, it's the, the Athletic and it's by Matt Schneidman. But I guess the most interesting piece was, and again, it's a quote. I don't know if he got this directly from Aaron or his sources. I, I don't know. I didn't look at it that closely. But uh, the quote was basically, you know, it's Gude Kunst or me. And this was a couple of years ago. Obviously, you know, the way it turned out was they kept their general manager and A-Rod is gone. But I just thought that after all this miscommunication, we couldn't get a hold of him. He couldn't get a hold of us. Just all this. Hell, it's the 21st century. Anybody can find anybody at at some point in time. Uh, It just seems just all theater and histrionics. And uh, I... They forced me out. He wanted to leave. I mean, it's just back and forth, but I just thought it was pretty funny. But then when I saw this, I was like, okay, that that sounds like it, it probably was the case where he just kind of gave them an ultimatum. And, you know, it took a while, but eventually 
everybody I think is where they're supposed to be. So I don't know. Any last words on this whole A Rod nonsense? I just think Rodgers was was mad that the GM drafted a quarterback in the first round, but it's just it's right. Yeah, it's poetic. It I mean, it's poetic justice, I guess. Rodgers was drafted when Favre was the starting quarterback, and now you get the same thing with Jordan Love. And I think Rodgers and Love were actually drafted, but they were both drafted 23rd overall. They're they're always going to be connected with each other. So it's it's over that. I mean, the spat was over that. Just Rodgers felt disrespected. I think he carried that grudge and he tried to get the GM fired. It certainly didn't work. I would, would I keep the player or the GM? I would try to keep the player, especially if, you know, he's still playing at a high well, level. they did. They did for a couple of years. Yeah, but in the end. But they didn't, they weren't, they weren't going to fire. Yeah, but Gutekunst was still there, so he didn't get, completely get his no. way. In the end, I mean, they chose the GM in the front office and they chose the new quarterback. We'll yeah. see. Well, the GM pro- has a much longer career span, I guess. At this point, it's like, okay, we're done with this. And we drafted, you know, we traded up to draft this guy. We got to see, we got, at some point, we got to figure out if he can play or not. You know, whether practice, you can say, okay, he's this, he's that. Oh my gosh, he can't do this. He can't, no. I mean, you got to play games. You, you got to play games and then figure it out. If you, and, and, you know, halfway through the season, if we get to like, I don't know, mid-season or like Thanksgiving or some some sort of milestone piece of the season, and they can say, okay, this he's he's ascending, or this is a problem. <laughs> we'll have to deal with it, you know, going into the offseason or whatever. So th- th- he's got to get out there. He's got to play. Much like Trey Lance, you know, you can't, you know, just sit here and say, well, he's a bust. He's this. He hasn't played. You got I mean, you just got to bite the bullet, I guess, I suppose. But you got 53 other or 52 other guys that are w- looking to win a championship. You know, how comfortable are they with a guy out there that just, hey, we just got to see if he can play. So at a certain team, at a certain point, every team has to go through this. Uh, fortunately for the Packers, it was a very short time between one, you know, all-timer to the next. I mean, it was maybe half a season or a full season that, you know, maybe things didn't go so well. And then, bang, you're right back to having a lead quarterback play. So, uh, yeah, got to bite the bullet, let these kids play, see if they can do it. Well, we'll see who wins more games this season, the Jets or the Packers. Yeah. I guess that would that would settle yeah, the I argument. I it's the <laughs> Yeah, well, the Jets, you know, tougher schedule, but they got the the bona fide player. I think the Packers may be a little easier schedule, but you don't know what you got a quarterback. So, all right, gang. So, yeah, June 1st, here we are. So as you're listening, hopefully by then, and this when this hits, we may have played a couple of games in the in the uh, NBA finals. One for sure, because it's tonight. But uh, hopefully the Heat can make it a series and it's not a sweep. I just, you know, again, just for their sake. I mean, I, I think, again, the Nuggets are going to win. But just hopefully to make it a little bit more interesting and a little bit more exciting for the fans that it goes, you know, six games or so. so yeah, I think it'll go six. I think people will be pleased with that. So, so for Alex, I'm Lou. Until next time. Ooh.